It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Coming up in 10 minutes, more on Eric Bieniemy interviewing with the Commanders over the weekend and uh, much more on the Commanders coaching search, the latest uh, kind of what happens now, the next steps, who they can interview, who they are interviewing, who they're not going to. We'll get y'all caught up at 6.15. Then we'll kind of go around the NFL news style at 6.30, get you updated on all of the other teams and their coaching searches, some injury news from the playoffs, uh, teams signing players, including a former All-Pro today. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff happening around the NFL that we will spend our next half hour, actually the next 45 minutes on as we steamroll towards seven o'clock. But uh, Anthony, I kept seeing, and I, I got like some tweets asking me about this. Um, and like one of them was worded this way, which is basically, hey, I think, you know, the Lions and and obviously the Lions and the Ravens could wind up playing each other in the Super Bowl. Could the commanders wait uh, and and see who wins the matchup between Ben Johnson and uh, Mike McDonald to to and then pick the winner as their head coach? And I was just like, what? I under let me let me not be dismissive. Let me not be pejorative. Let me not be a jerk. I understand the question. It's not like I don't I don't get it. Right? Oh well, hey, we got. We got candidate A, we got candidate B. What if they could fight and the winner is the one that we choose? Voila. Like, yeah, of course that makes logical sense. But the problem is the fight isn't over. Like, it's not a it's not a fight. We're not picking our fighter to go pick to then have the same fight. You're asking people to do the jobs they have now with the pieces they have around them now, and then ultimately use that information to predict if they'll be good at another job with almost none of those people moving forward. So seeing if Mike McDonald could shut down Ben Johnson to frame it even to as if that framing is even accurate is not actually that helpful of a piece of information. I want to know how they'd be as a head coach. Your How you do as a coordinator is important. It's really important, especially if you're going to be the coordinator. But how you do in terms of wins and losses is obviously very dependent on the players and the organization that you have. And a guy like Sean McVay has done just fine, even though he never got to an NFC championship game and never won a playoff game as a coordinator here in Washington. In fact, his last game with Washington was terrible. 2016 versus the Giants, Week 17. It's one of the worst five games that Kirk Cousins had as a commander or as a as a Washington football player. And Sean coordinated that game. And then a week later, the Rams hired him. And I think they're pretty happy. And it wasn't that whoever the D.C. in New York was that day was some was like a better head coaching candidate and would have actually won three Super Bowls in the time that Sean has won one with the Rams. It's that they're different jobs. And I, I think that there is this obsession with 
the results right now because it's the only new information available compared to what we've seen them do over time and the piece of information that we don't have. Because again, you want to you want to judge uh the 20 oh they went head to head. Cuz you want to know who's the DC of of 2016 New York Giants? It was Steve Spagnola, who's an incredible defensive coordinator. Maybe on the all-timers list for great coordinator, not very good head coach. Spags has been killing it in Kansas City. But as a head coach, didn't didn't really work out. What was it? New York uh, and St. Louis. Yeah, back with the Rams, 2009, 2011. I think he he just kind of figured out, like, this ain't really for me. Went on to be the defensive coordinator in New Orleans, worked in Baltimore, uh, went back to the Giants, uh, and then has been in Kansas City since 2019. And I don't know that he's ever going to get a head coaching call again, which seems a little crazy based off how well they've done this year. But I don't think any point is, I don't think anyone looks back at that 2016 matchup and goes, ah, Spags should have been the guy over McVay. They're different jobs. And to go back again to the, I, I think the, the thing that we as fans and media need to remember if we want to be intelligent about this stuff, we want to just yell and have fun with it, then they're like, okay, ah. But these interviews matter because they go into them. The, Josh Harris and, and and everybody goes into them with a series of questions that really lay out like what's your vision going to be to be a head coach like how what's your staff going to look like that's one of the most important questions what's your staff going to look like what is uh your kind of philosophy on drafting like hey this number two pick what would you want to do with it do you have any thoughts and if they're like I want to take this guy then Adam Peters is probably going to be like all right, we're not, we're next. If he's like, you know, I got to look at the prospects or, you know, I I think it's really important that we heavily consider this thing because X, Y, Z, like they might have thoughts on that. Um, You know, they might have thoughts obviously on building a roster and Hey, how comfortable are you working with an analytics department? How much experience do you have? What kind of numbers and data would you want us to be gathering for you? What, you know, if we hand you this this data set, what do you make of it? Um, what do you think about the current roster here in Washington? Like, all of these questions and so many more are on the table and are way more important in terms of how they answer them because ultimately that's how they're going to act once they're in charge. All of that is way more important than who wins a game in the playoffs. You know, yes, McDonald over Slowick when it's Ravens versus Texans. But does that automatically mean that McDonald's the better head coaching candidate? No, it doesn't. So let's just collectively agree to stop doing that. They're important data points. And not saying anyone who's doing well right now is actually a bad candidate. I'm not saying anyone, uh, you know, I, I, I just think that we need to be smarter about trying to simplify or then trying to simplify everything down to one game or one playoffs. 
If the Ravens win the Super Bowl, it doesn't mean Mike McDonald's the greatest head coaching candidate in the history of everything. Belichick has won six Super Super Bowls, and zero of his assistants have ever sniffed a Super Bowl as a head coach. They're different jobs. And that is imperative to keep in mind. And I hope that if there are leaks, and it certainly seems like there are not a lot of leaks from the Washington side of things, that the leaks, uh, and ultimately when we hear them on record in a press conference introducing the guy, the reasons why they hire the next head coach are not, did really well in the playoffs. It's, is a great leader that we're confident has a plan to help rebuild our football team to go where he just came from, which is the playoffs. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. We are streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980 as we do each and every day. And, of course, if you miss any part of the show, you can check it out on demand in the Hoffman Show podcast feed. And coming up next, the latest on the Commander's Coaching Search, including an in-house interview with Eric Bieniemy. This weekend, what we know, what we'd like to know, the positives, the negatives, all of it next here on the Team 980. Anthony, I just sent you something for real things uh, that is a requirement today. I, there's a lot of great stuff that always comes through the weekend. But uh, our boy Clinton Yates got to hang out with Snoop Dogg today. What? Yeah. Oh, snap. And there's uh, there's some video from that. Yates. Holler at your boy. Tell your mama I said what's up. Weekly guest of this radio show. Got to hang out with Snoop today. So you're going to hear that in real things real people said in real microphones. I'm just, I'm just saying. That, that all good, Ant? We can get Instagram stories video? Yes, sir. Excellent. Excellent. Well, uh, I can't get the video for you. I can get I mean, the, the, audio. the audio. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. But I mean, like, the, there's a way for you on. Yeah, I guess Instagram stories are on. Uh, Instagram stories are on the laptop or like the desktop version of Instagram now. Yes, sir. So it's not like you gotta try to do a fancy, crazy, Bluetoothy audio edit or something. Anyway, that's coming up at the end of the show. You don't want to miss it. Ten minutes from now, we go around the NFL news style. Get you caught up on all of the latest happenings, coach interviews. Uh, player signings, injury updates, playoffs, non-playoffs, et cetera, et cetera, at 6.30. But, Anthony, um, I'll just cut to the chase, right? Eric Bieniemy interviewed with the commanders over the weekend uh, for their head coaching job. This was, I would say, a mild surprise to some people, um, but I not a surprise to me, not in that like I had any kind of inside information, just that like it makes sense Like the guy was your offensive coordinator. He's very well thought of and respected. He's clearly a very good coach. He's extremely smart and thoughtful. He's detailed. He's prepared. I want to know what he thinks about this football team. I also have no interest in hiring him. And that's where I just get straight to the point. Eric Bieniemy is a good coach who had a horrendous year. And I just don't know how there's any other version of what happened in 2023 with the commander's offense. There is no justifying the game plan they went into. There's no possible way you could say passing the ball with the frequency that they did, leveraging Sam Howell, a second-year starter 
who had 19 career passes coming into the season, was a good idea. And ultimately, I think that we need to go back to remembering why EB came here in the first place. EB came here to prove that he could succeed without Andy Reid. What on earth makes you think that the 24th ranked offense and the, like, whether you want to go by numbers, bottom third in scoring and total offense, whether you want to go by film and you see the sloppiness, you want to go by the play calling and you see the the pass run distribution um, and you marry that with with the quarterback and, and what would seem like a smart way to operate. Like, no matter how you cut it, he came here to prove that he could do it without Andy Reid as a babysitter, if you will. I I think that's pejorative. Um, But, like, to do it without working for Andy Reid, and if you're basing it off of this season's worth of evidence, the answer was no. Like, I, I like EB. And I think that he will probably go somewhere and hopefully learn from this season and, and be better next year. But there ain't no way you can look at the the data and the evidence and come away with anything other than that conclusion. Now, it's not that simple and that it, those are the only factors, right? Like, yes, I will hear you that the setup here was not great. The personnel, I don't know that he got his position coaches in place uh, You know that he wanted because of some of the financial stuff and the ownership change. Uh, obviously, the quarterback situation was less than ideal. Like, I'm not pretending that stuff doesn't exist. But ultimately, like, if you're on Iron Chef, Anthony, you know Iron Chef? I know the Iron Sheik. That's, no, it's a different, <laughs> it's a different thing. Oh. Iron Chef is a show, or Chopped, that, like, a lot of them are similar. Um, Beat Bobby Flay. You You get given an ingredient, and you're told to make a meal. And you're judged on that meal. And if your ingredient is not one that's your favorite, you don't get to be like, but I, I, Mr. Chairman, that's an Iron Chef reference, I don't like that ingredient. It's not what I would have picked. And it's like, sorry, not not really the challenge here. Now, I do think if we're going to extend this Iron Chef metaphor and perhaps torture it a little bit, you know, the response might be, well, that's ain't my restaurant. I'm not in Kitchen Stadium. Let me run my own restaurant, pick my own ingredients, and I'll cook you a better meal. And that would be my argument if I was Eric Bieniemy. If it's like, hey, well, this didn't go well. How do you explain it? It's like, I would have never done that. Ron wanted to. Or we got stuck because of the ownership situation um, and and the timeline. Like, I that's the argument I would make if I was EB. And I don't know that that's totally without merit. But here would be my simple thing with you're the commanders and you got options, right? You're now a team that's the bell of the ball in a lot of ways. You have you have already gotten the best general manager on the market. And while there are other jobs that might be more appealing to certain candidates amongst the young up and coming first time head coaches that want to build something, you're going to have your pick of coaches most likely. Your Ben Johnsons, your Mike McDonald's, your Bobby Slowicks. Uh, even to an extent, Raheem Morris, late 40s. He was a head coach, but probably shouldn't have been. You're, he, he's, he's in many ways going to be a first-time head coach. 
um, with some of the benefits of having done it already and, and learned some learned some lessons. But like of of those candidates, the non Belichick, non Harbaugh, if we just want to be more direct and less wishy washy about it, you could have someone who's had two tremendous years as an offensive coordinator without Patrick Mahomes, with Jared Goff as his quarterback, someone who is universally looked at as one of the best schemers in the league, someone who his players to a T love the guy. He's seen as a super dynamic personality, got great leadership, great organizational skills, all of it. Or you could have a guy whose only success as an offensive coordinator came under Andy Reid with Patrick Mahomes. He got here and immediately rubbed people the wrong way. There was a lot of consternation, not just amongst players, but amongst staff. And even if he was right, like, it wasn't, like, the way that that he interacted with people wasn't good. So that limits the type of person you can bring into your organization because they better get along with him. Otherwise, you're going to have problems. Why would you just not go with the better option that has a better chance of success? Of those two resumes, it's pretty easy to pick the first guy. So why wouldn't you take Ben Johnson or McDonald or whatever versus Bietami, who's always kind of had this, he's really good, but he's going to agitate you. Do you want the guy that's the agitator running the organization? And again, I'm not saying Bietami's a terrible candidate. There's so much to like here. But if I'm if I'm Carolina and I don't I don't have the option of picking someone who's seen as better, then yeah, I have like I have to settle for Eric Bienemy and air quotes like I'm probably getting a pretty good coach. But there's some stuff that I'm going to have to work through and some personality stuff and and also Specifically, if I'm Carolina, if I look at what he just did with Sam Howell, I don't want that dude anywhere near Bryce Young. He's going to get him killed. So, it just comes down to this. Biennemi, good coach, at, like, revered as a, as a high-quality human being, but the resume's spotty. And maybe he interviewed incredibly well. I do think it is a bit of a joke that Josina Anderson reported that his interview was very detailed and uh, it was very like that so clearly came from Bietami's side of things because the commander's side isn't leaking jack. So don't think that because one reporter got complimentary things about the interview that she's wrong necessarily, but that it came from the team side of it saying like, oh yeah, so impressive. Can't wait to run and tell Josina Anderson about it. No. That came from Eric's side of things. Obviously. I mean, look, I, I guess I shouldn't say that. I'd be mad if I was a reporter and someone wanted to speculate on my sources. But as someone who's been a reporter and understands how this works and also is listening to the other reporters like John Kime, who's like, they're not saying anything on the Washington side of it. Everything that you hear is from other places. Put two and two together. The question is, why would you go for something that has all the things you like, has the good scheme, has the detail, has the motivation, all the things that EB has, when you have something over here that has that and more. That ultimately is what it comes down to. The commanders have options, and there, I think that there are options that are better than Eric Bieniemy. A year ago, when I, you know, I was singing Bieniemy's praises as loudly as anyone, I wanted it to work. It just, it didn't. And ultimately, it comes down to he came here to prove 
that he could do the OC job without Andy Reid, and he did a bad, bad job in 2023. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. When we get back, we will go around the NFL and hit all of the biggest news stories, including EB's former boss interviewing for a defensive coordinator job in the NFC East. Yes, that's right. If you haven't heard, Ron Rivera could be back in the NFC East next year. Fill you in on the details next. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app and streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980. All right, let's fire up the old NFL music again and uh, go around the league as there's a ton of stuff to catch up on. Uh, So we'll do that for you now before we head out of here at 7 o'clock. The first story, Anthony, is one that I am... I'm surprised about the where. I'm not actually that surprised about the what. But Ron Rivera interviewed with Nick Sirianni to be the defensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, who knows how serious that is in terms of their top candidates. But I do think people... Like, there is there is a snarky part of me. And I think a uh, louder, very fan... Um, more than snarky, just dismissive voice uh, point of point of view that says, please do this. Please, Philadelphia. Ron sucks. That guy's the worst. Um, let's, let's get him signed up so that we can beat you next year. And in an effort to be fair, I think a couple of things need to be said. One. The last time Ron Rivera was a defensive coordinator, he coordinated the best defense in the NFL. 2010, Chargers, they were the number one defense in the league that got him the Carolina job. He was the head coach ever since. That said, Ron last coordinated defense outside of the last five weeks of the season in 2010, and that was a hella long time ago. With that said, Ron did a better job than people realize In the final five weeks, I know they didn't win, but it went from disaster to not disaster. And to do that in the middle of a season, while, by the way, not really calling your own scheme, he was calling and coaching jacks because they couldn't change the entire defense, is actually pretty impressive. And I think the the biggest thing that I would just say, and before people immediately dismiss this, or Rivera's ability to be a DC, even if it's not in Philadelphia, is... Like, everyone that I know that got to really talk ball with Ron came away surprised and impressed with how much, like, how smart he was about football. I just think, like, when you look at his tenure here, he never applied those skills. Like, him as a manager is a disaster. Like, that's the irony of his, like, oh, I didn't get to coach the last five weeks thing. It's like, I was just a manager. Yeah, and you stunk at it. Like, you took on this head coach, CEO type of head coach model, coach-centric nonsense, where you, even if you were doing more managing than you even thought because Dan's whole ownership thing was a disaster and you had the COVID stuff and, like, there's all this managing that had to happen. You're bad at it. He's just a bad manager. Like, he doesn't understand how to set a vision, to execute it, to what's important, what's not. But as a football coach, he's apparently a lot better at that. 
Like, he's someone whose career probably should have capped out to be maximized. Like, he's more Steve Spagnola. If, if he turns it into a guy who's a coordinator for the rest of his career and is good at it. Like, Spags, great coordinator, multiple Super Bowls, multiple places. Like, head coach, what in it? Got a short run. Maybe he'd be better the second time around. But for Rivera, like, he lived on the fact that they were building to something with Cam Newton in Carolina up to 2015. 2015, they have this masterful year. They go 15-1. and Cam's awesome. They win the MVP. They then get whacked in the Super Bowl by Peyton Manning in Denver. And then the hope was to be able to recapture the magic, and he probably gets a couple extra years there that he shouldn't have because they're living on that Super Bowl glory and... um, you know, they're just waiting. Oh, it's like if Cam could get back from injury and every time he got close, he'd get hurt again. And so ultimately he winds up being there for like nine years, has three winning seasons, comes here, doesn't have any. And it's like, oh, he's just not that good of a head coach. But him as a D coordinator, I, I'll just, I'll put it this way. I'll wrap up with this thought. Don't be careful what you wish for on that one. I think it go better than a lot of people realize. There's also a chance it's an absolute disaster. There is that chance, but I, I don't think it's as guaranteed to be a disaster as a lot of snarky, burned Commanders fans. And I trust me, I get it. I get it. But a lot of people, I think, in Washington are just like, yeah, hire him. And I don't know that that's as much of a home run to be a failure as people think it is. I mean, could it be worse than this year's, you know, Eagles unit? I mean, it could um, be this year's commander's unit, but I think that had uh, a lot I don't of personnel we, and a lot of Jack Del Rio and a lot of Brett Wieselmeyer to, to do with it. Yeah, but also I think the Eagles, on paper anyway, their de- their defense is more talented than uh, what we have over in Washington. And I would say, like, down the shirts, like, you know, the commanders played better, but better is also very sort of kind of subjective because of where we were. For sure. And I think the other thing, too, is like when you talk about specifically in Philadelphia, yeah, like Ron was a lot more involved early on in uh, Carolina. And part of the thing that he really liked here was the Alan Payne combo, mm-hmm. right? Because he had Starla Tulele and um, oh, who's the other guy? Was it not Chris Jenkins? It's my wrong era of Carolina Panthers football. Buckner? No, also wrong era. That's what happens when you grow up rooting for the team. All, I have too many players in my head. Yeah, I couldn't tell you. Uh, uh, KK Short. That's who it was. Mm. K1 Short. Um, but they had Short and Latulale to build that defense around. And Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis, like, that's a pretty good interior duo to build around. Yeah. So, like, they've got some of the pieces that he likes. Josh Sweat is, a, is you know, obviously Julius Peppers is one of a kind. But, like, that speed, athletic edge. That's like, fine. Yeah, Hassan Reddick. Like, I mean, they've they've got dudes that in a Ron Rivera defense, not a Jack Del Rio defense, a Ron Rivera um, defense would be pretty nasty. Now they've got to figure out the back seven. Can they find their Luke Keekly? Can they find, you know, yeah, look, Bradbury, can he regain form uh, like he had in Carolina and like he had a lot of years in Philly? Um, there's a lot of questions there, but... I, again, I just I don't think it's a home run to be a failure. And I think a lot of Washington people, because of how bad it went here, understandably are going, go ahead, hire him. Please do it. And 
But also, I feel like with the the Chargers defense you was talking about from 2010, uh, they had you, the Eric Weddles. They yeah. had uh, Cromartie. They had some, like, some pieces. Dudes. So, I, I think, like, with talent, I think Ron would definitely be able to, like, get How, the most. Howie Roseman's good at finding talent. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a risk because he hasn't done it in, you know, for sure. And the league years. has changed. League has definitely changed more of a passing league. Um, so it's an inter- it will be an interesting hire if you do. I want someone to hire him because I want to see how it goes. <laughs> My own personal intrigue. I want to see how so it goes. So if he goes out there, kills it, you know, the Eagles are top five, top ten next year. During his tenure here, would it just be, you know He never coached. So I guess it would be on him. Yeah, I mean he look. If I was the manager of this radio show mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't use my management skills to set up a way that I could also host it, I would not be maximizing our resources here. Because you've established you don't want to host a show. Mm-hmm. You're, you're good producing it. Yep. So it would be my job to set up a system where uh, I host and you produce. I got to make sure you stay in your box and I, I'm able to do the things that I need to do to host it. So if he's a good coach, he should have done more coaching. Hire hire someone to do your administration. Yeah. Uh, speaking of his former job, or former spot, uh, Ron's not here. The one before that. The other NFL news and notes: Panthers promote ex linebacker Dan Morgan to the GM position. He was the assistant general manager under Scott Fitterer. Um, Morgan is a guy. I mean, I've I've known of Dan Morgan. He was. He was kind of Keekly before Keekly. Um, he wasn't as good as Keekly, but like he was really, really good as like this genius middle linebacker and then had to retire early because he just never could quite stay healthy. And then the Panthers drafted Keekly and everybody forgot about Dan Morgan because we had Luke Keekly. Um that was that was young uh Panthers fan Craig talking from two thousand and whatever that was. Um but like that's kind of what happened. And he got back in the organizations, it's scouting, all that kind of stuff. And um, he's been involved in the interview process for the coaching stuff down there as well. And today they removed the interim tag from him. So that's the the latest there. Um, Chargers are meeting with Jim Harbaugh again. Uh, also got a couple of other head coaching interviews around. Belichick's already interviewed twice in Atlanta. Uh, Harbaugh's still in the mix in Atlanta um, Dan Quinn interviewing multiple places, including Washington this week, in-person interviews. And remember, the in-person interviews can happen now for anyone that's been eliminated, anybody that's still in. So Aaron Glenn, Ben Johnson, Mike McDonald, Anthony Weaver, etc. All of those guys uh, must wait till the 29th. So I would imagine, Anthony, all of the commanders' in-person coaching interviews that need to wait happen that bye week, and we probably get leaked who is going to be the head coach during the bye week. Uh, between the championship games and the Super Bowl. I was just trying to figure out, like, if the Lions and the Ravens were to go off to the Super Bowl, well, we have to wait until the until after the Super Bowl, but you just answered my For question. For official, yes, I believe. Um, because remember, last year, didn't the Cardinals get in trouble for kind of pre-announcing Steichen? Or not Steichen, uh, Gannon. Gannon. There was something that happened there where they, they broke some rule. But... Basically, like, yeah, you, we, we knew going into the game last year that Steichen was headed to the Colts and Gannon was headed to the Eagles. Yeah. Or headed to the Cardinals. So, like, it'd be one of those situations. Okay. Certainly would make the Super Bowl more interesting in Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, would probably make that week pretty interesting, too. 
yeah. that I'm out there in Vegas. Am I going to have to go to some press conference? That would suck. Um, I just want to I just want to go do my radio show with all the other radio shows on Radio Row and then go to events and stuff. And then eat in delicious restaurants because I'm in Las Vegas. Hopefully not lose money gambling. Uh, last but not least, player news. Uh, good news for San Francisco. No fracture in the shoulder for Debo Samuel. He had that injury earlier this year, missed a couple of weeks. But uh, they have a chance to have him play this weekend as there is no fracture in his left shoulder. Uh, hopefully it's a sprain or something like that. Uh, but we'll see if he can go on Sunday. Meanwhile, on the other side, uh, Lions had to sign a tight end because they lost their second string tight end back up to Sam Laporta in the game on Sunday. And uh, <laughs> they got a pretty good one. Zach Ertz, former Eagles, great. Uh, played pretty well the last couple of years with Arizona, although obviously not anywhere near what he was at his peak in Philadelphia. Uh, but his former tight ends coach from the Cardinals is now the tight ends coach in Detroit. So Zach Ertz is the signing as he was let go from the Cardinals in October, allowed to pursue other opportunities. Ultimately, it comes on championship weekend. He signs with the Lions. All right, that is the NFL news and notes, including some longer thoughts on Rivera interviewing in Philadelphia. We get back, we wrap up the show with real things real people said into real microphones, including a meeting between one of the best friends of the show and Snoop Dogg. It's the Hoffman Show. We'll wrap it up here on the Team 980. Always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Uh, I'm looking up on the TV, Anthony, and uh, I got the Jason Kelsey jumping out of the suite yesterday. He's crazy. He's the best. He's crazy. My favorite was when they did the cutaway shot to Taylor Swift and Brittany Mahomes and it's just Jason's nipple in the background. Did you see what his daughter said? Yeah. <laughs> Text it for those that didn't see it. Uh, I guess Donna, Mama Kelsey, was with, uh, or someone, maybe it was maybe it was Kylie, his wife's uh, mom, because I thought I saw Donna in the suite. Uh, Mama Kelsey is typically always at the game. So maybe it was Mama-in-law Kelsey. Um, had the girls at home, Kylie and Jason went to the game, and they texted uh, Kylie and said, Dada's boobs are out. Yep. That is true. They Small Kelsey Child, Dada's boobs were out. <laughs> so was his belly. Yep. And his his propensity for drinking beer. I saw. I think it was Chris Long, his former teammate, uh, obviously NFL great in his own right. Um, tweet out: People think that this is because Jason's retiring. No, this is just Kels on a Tuesday. Dang. He uh he can crush some beers. Uh, hey, more power to him. I I, I can't do it. No. But, that isn't my thing. No. Not like that. I mean, in general. In general, but especially not like yeah, that. Yeah, definitely not like that. I love that he also just, like, it wasn't a bit for five seconds. He just sat in the suite. He's in a luxury suite with the most famous human being possibly in the entire world. Yeah. And he's just shirts off. I'm Jason Kelsey, and I don't care. Jumping out sweets. Amazing. Yeah. I'm sure security was thrilled, by the way. I mean, they looked fine. They were content. It looked like, you know. Yeah. Whatever. Um, so that I feel like if we did a real things video version, I don't even know what the sound would be. But like that's that's the spirit of real things. Oh yeah. I no wish question. Kevin. I wish Kevin Harlan had a radio call of that. 
that would be in the real things Hall of Fame. Mm. Who do we have? Yes, Collinsworth. Uh, that was uh, that was the CBS game. So that was Romo and Nance, who everyone hated online. I don't think that I do think that crew started really strong. Like, Romo revived Nance's career because Nance had died inside working with Phil Sims all those years. Yeah, um, <laughs> and then it's just the the farther Tony's gotten from the game, the less good it's been. You like Greg? Olsen's awesome. Yeah. I think he likes talking too. I mean, he. I think feel like he has an enthusiasm for like explaining the game. To, oh, that's probably what it is. Man. To fans, I, I don't think he's like. Oh, I love to hear my own voice. He's like, look <laughs> at this awesome thing that just happened. Like that's what I want in an analyst. Yeah. All right, uh, time to wrap up though, as promised, with an epic real things, real people said into real microphone. Real things. We're not gonna be. Real people. Five and eleven. Not very good. Set into real microphones. You know, the culture is actually damn good. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, best friend of the show one, Clinton Yates. Clinton Yates. He of around the horn fame. He of Washington, D.C.'s own. Ran into slash did something at work with Snoop Dogg today. Yep. Snoop Dogg. That one. And uh, Snoop is a big fan, apparently, of Clinton's on Around the Horn, which set up this exchange. All right, you're going to play ESPN, obviously here with Snoop Dogg for his new movie, Underdogs, coming out. I understand you want to be on TV. I want to be on, be on the Around the Horn, man. I'm tired of y'all playing games with me. Put me in the box, man. I got information. I got game. Can I get in where I fit in? I get points. <laughs> I had like 30 points. Get me in, man. Cut me in or cut it out. Reality, he's talking to you. Let's go. Let's figure- now, Anthony, do you know how a new panelist finds out that they are on around the horn? Uh, Do they get an email? No, they get a text from Reality. Oh, really? Yeah. So, like, you just get a text, and you might have Tony's number, you might not, and it just goes, like, it's time. And Tony, he's posts these on Twitter. They're great. Um, and then he like, gives them all the information, whatever. Can you imagine him just texting Snoop Dogg? It's time. Snoop's like, who is this? <laughs> that would be crazy. Tony Reale. Uh All right. We'll see you tomorrow on The Hoffman Show. Terp's Talk is next.